teaching on Wednesday night. So, so uh, come out and, and be a part of everything that God is doing, and then be right back here on Sunday morning as we continue our, our, our summer series. Okay, um, all right, I've got some props. I'm going to go grab these real quick, so just talk amongst yourselves or not. So some of you are like, what in the world is he doing? Well, you'll find out pretty soon. All right. All right. Did anybody have neighbors up last night shooting fireworks till midnight? Or were we, am I the only one? Yeah. The last few days, everyone. What, what most people don't know is the day after the 4th of July, that's when you can go get them for half price. And so that's when everybody goes and gets them. And it's kind of crazy. But uh, anyway, if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14. And we're in a series right now called Knowing Jesus. And, and we're learning how to improve our relationship with him by getting to know him. And so today we're going to be hanging out in John 14 most of the morning. I will be flipping over to Philippians chapter 4 um, as we get to the end. But we're going to start in John chapter 14. And I want to say this before we start. I've learned as my relationship with God goes, my life goes. Has anyone else learned that? When my relationship with God is solid, my life is solid even during shaky times. When my relationship with God is shaky, my life is shaky even during solid times. Okay? And if you think about it, Jesus said that. Jesus said that a wise man builds his house upon a rock, right? Because it's solid. But then he goes on and says, a foolish man builds his life upon the sand because the sand is shaky. And so here's what I know. Jesus wants you to have a solid life, okay? Even, even if you go through some shaky stuff, and we're going to talk about some of that shaky stuff. Anybody ever go through something that kind of shook you up a little bit? Yeah. So we're going to talk about how to go through that this morning. And, and, uh, but Jesus wants you to have a solid life. He wants you to have a life built on a rock, and, and obviously that rock is him. So my approach to this teaching has been really to take a fresh look at Jesus and how Jesus interacted with strangers, friends, enemies, and disciples. And honestly, in the last six months, I have written 90 teachings entitled Knowing Jesus. And so we're not going to get through, we're not going to have a 90-part series, but we might have a Knowing Jesus series for the next 10 summers. Right? Okay, because I just have, I have these, ni- and, and you guys know this is, a, this is a book. He calls me friend that I'm writing, and so... Um, I have 90 of them, and we're only on part seven, and, um, which you know, makes it awesome for, for preaching because you have all that information already down. But last week, we looked at the life of the disciple Peter, and we learned that Jesus wants us to be teachable, okay? Remember what teachable means? Teachable means we're willing to change our made-up minds, okay? Um, I don't mean we change our minds about the truth of Scripture, But we change our minds about people, things, and circumstances when we can't get peace or we realize that we were just wrong. Anybody ever been wrong? I have. And sometimes when we're wrong, we need to just change our mind. And and, and I said last week, and I'll say it again, I'm at the point in my life where the only thing that's not up for negotiation is the Scripture, okay? Everything else is an opportunity for me to learn and be teachable, okay? And I want to add one more thing because I didn't have time to get to it last week, but it was important and I want to go ahead and share it today. When you've made up your mind about something, 
you leave no room for God to work. Okay? I've just, I made up my mind. I am not forgiving them. I have just made up my mind. Well, you have taken God completely out of the equation. I've made up my mind. I'm ne- I am never getting into another relationship. All I've ever been with are lunatics. Well, maybe. But what if you, there's someone out there that's maybe less of a lunatic <laughs> that maybe God has for you, but if you already made up your mind, then you leave no room for God to work. Even, you know, me, eight years ago, eight years ago, I had made up my mind that I was done with ministry. I was done with it. I was, I was going into the corporate world where I could make some real money, right? And so I was done with ministry. I had made up my mind. I was done with ministry. And as we stand here today, I'm thankful that God changed my mind, right? Yeah, God changed my mind. I'm thankful for that, okay? And so when you, when you say, I've made up my mind, I, nope, that's it, I'm not listening, I've made up my, you, you leave no room for God to work in your life, okay? So unless it's the scripture, which is not up for negotiation, everything else is up for negotiation because we're not perfect and sometimes we don't get it right, okay? So I didn't have time to say that last week, but I wanted to throw that in there. So let's go ahead and go to John chapter 14, and we're going to start with verse 7. And before I read this, let me, let me just say something here. These verses answer an argument that is as old as time, okay? Um, have you ever heard, had someone say to you, I would believe in God if I could just see him? You're, okay, okay, so perfect. If I could just, like, if I could just see him, then I would, then I could believe in him. Well, this, these verses talk about that, and, and it was even a disciple that was having that same problem. So in John chapter 14 and verse 7, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, if you really knew me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, now look at this. Philip said, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. In other words, he was saying, if I could see God, if I could just see God, then that would be enough for me, and I would believe now if I could just see God. Now, look what, look what Jesus says. Jesus answered, don't you know, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen the Father, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And so Jesus was basically saying, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen God. And then he goes on and he talks about, you know, how that the word uh, is also proof of God. So anytime you read the scripture, you're, you're, you're seeing God, you're hearing God, you're, you're reading God's thoughts anytime you read the Bible. And yet, here's a disciple that was still struggling with that. Now, there's a phrase in verse 10 that jumped out to me on Monday, and, 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 and G- here's, here's what it was. Jesus said, it is the Father living in me who, who is doing his work. It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. I really believe when my life isn't working, it's because I'm doing my work instead of letting the Father do His work. Okay? I want to say that again. 
I really believe when my life isn't working, it's because I'm doing my work instead of letting the Father do His work. And you know what I think we do? I think we tend to say, God, this is what I'm going to do. And so I need you to make it work. Right? This is what I'm doing, and, and I, I need you to make this work. That, that, that makes about as much sense as throwing a deck of cards in the air and asking God to shuffle them and put them back in the box. Doesn't it? I mean, that's like saying, God, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. Now, God, this is what I've done. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to catch all of that, shuffle them, put them all together in the same suit in the right order, and then I want you to put it back in the box. How many of you know it doesn't work like that? Right? It doesn't work like that. And yet, that's what we do. This is what I'm doing, God, so you make it work. And then we get frustrated at the Lord when things, when things don't work the way that we thought that they would. And so, so as we move through John 14, Jesus covers, a, you know, he covers multiple subjects. And he starts off, get this, guys, he starts off by telling them about heaven. And if you start reading in the first part of John 14... He, says to, he starts talking about heaven, and he says to his disciples, he says, um, I'm going there, and, and I will come back and take you with me. Okay, so that's the first thing he says. He talks about, you know, in my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you and all of that. And he says, I'm going there, and then, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to take you with me. And then he shifts gears, and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 and verse 16. And he says this, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or your, your Bible might say comforter or helper, uh, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I, 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 love, I, I love the way that Jesus phrases that. It's amazing because there's a pattern emerging here. So first he says, heaven is real and you can go there, but first you have to stay here for a while. And if you're going to be here for a while, then you're going to need the Holy Spirit. Okay. So put that in perspective. Jesus was saying, I'm going away so they won't see me, but they will see you. So I'm going to put my spirit in you so that when they see you, they will see me. Isn't that good? Yeah. He said, I'm going to heaven and you can go too, but first you have to be here. And while you're here, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to put my spirit in you because even though they won't see me, they'll see you. And by seeing you, they can see me. Are you, con- are you confused yet? I think I'm confusing myself. I got it right. Okay. But it doesn't stop there. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. In the last part of chapter 14, he says, oh, one more thing. You're going to need, if you're going to be here for a while, you're going to need peace. Anybody need peace? He said, if you're going to be here for a while, you're going to need peace. You're going to need peace. So he, so he says, I'm, you're going to go to heaven soon, but right now you've got to be here. And while you're going to be here, you need the Holy Spirit. And you need one more thing. You need peace. And then, look what he does. He says, so I will leave mine with you. And that's in John 14, 27. 
Look at this verse. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, I've read that a thousand times, but I've never noticed the phrasing, okay? Jesus did not say, I will make your life peaceful. What? I thought that was his job. That's why I started coming to church. Because my life was hell and I thought I needed some peace. And so I started to come into church. Listen, guys. Life isn't always peaceful and you were never promised that it would be. So Jesus said this. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Okay? Now, what's that mean? That means, that, that's a game changer. That means the same peace that allowed Jesus to sleep in the bottom of the boat during the storm has been left to you. That means the peace that did not panic when there was no money to pay his taxes has been left to you. That means the peace that remained calm when Satan was attacking has been left to you. Listen, Jesus never said he would make life peaceful. All he said was that he would leave you his peace when life wasn't peaceful. Right? What? I just that I, I would rather God just make my life peaceful. Listen, we were never promised that. In fact, we were promised just the opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. Okay? And so you should be thankful that he left his peace here. Just like he left, just like he left his Holy Spirit here to be in you, Jesus left his peace here to be in you. And I don't know why I never saw that before. But that's good stuff. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have the peace of God in me, okay? And so do you. Now, the word peace in that verse, peace has many different meanings, but the word peace in that verse actually means well-being, and it also means inner rest, okay? So Jesus says, I'm going to leave you my well-being, and I'm going to leave you my inner rest. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me, right? Now, also notice that Jesus is quick to point out that his peace isn't the same as the world gives, okay? Now, think about world peace for a minute. That's a word that we hear a lot. And world peace is really this. It's the concept of an ideal state of happiness. It's a system of governance that prevents warfare, okay? That's the definition of world peace. But you know what? I don't see anything about Jesus or the absence of an enemy in that definition, right? And, and, and you may be surprised by this, but world peace isn't the goal for the believer, okay? In fact, we're told to enlist as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and we're told that the weapons of our warfare are not common, but mighty through God for pulling down strongholds, right? God left us weapons because he knew that there would be times in our lives when it wouldn't be peaceful, right? So he, he left us all these powerful weapons so that we could move forward. And, and here's what it boils down to. You can't be at peace with the world and be at peace with God at the same time. You will either be at war with one or the other. Okay? Can't, it, you can't have it both ways. You'll either be at war with God or you'll be at war with the world. You can't have it both ways. And the best way to know who you are at war with is to take a look at the results coming out of your life. Because if you're at war with God, then 
then he is under no obligation to bless any part of your life. But if you're at war with the world, then he is under contract or under covenant by his word to bless every part of your life, right? And so all you have to do is look at the results in your life to see who you're at war with. Now, if you're going to have peace in your life, um, then you need a peacemaker, okay? And this is, this, is, uh, this is the important part. You need a peacemaker. In 1873, Samuel Colt introduced a pistol that would forever change how man dealt with conflict, okay? Ironically enough, this single-action uh, six-shooter was called the peacemaker, okay? So we have a picture of that back there, Derek. And go ahead and put that up. <clears throat> Has anybody ever seen one of those? If you have one, they're worth lots of moolah. Is it not working? Ah, okay. Well, work on it, see what you can do. <laughs> okay, what was supposed to be up there is a picture of a pistol with the word peacemaker underneath it. Okay, that's... That's, that's what the slide was, okay? And, and this gun became every gunfighter's weapon of choice, okay? Now, here's the thing. When you strapped on a peacemaker, peace wasn't really the goal. You know what the goal was? To win the fight, Right? So if you had a peacemaker and you're strapping it on, don't worry, just like Barney Fife, I don't get bullets. <laughs> right? Well, this, is, this belt is, uh, needs to hang down lower. <laughs> Let's see if we can make this work. It's, hook, it's hanging up on my, uh, my power pack is the problem. So nothing's gone right today. We've had problems with the sound. We've had problems with the lights. We've had problems with my peacemaker. So I feel it tugging on my, uh, I may not be able to get it on there. There we go. It's tugging on my wires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you, strap, when you strapped on a, a peacemaker, the goal wasn't peace. The goal um, was you wanted, you wanted to win the fight, okay? You wanted to win the fight. Does anyone, does anyone like to watch old westerns? Okay. Well, at the end of every old western, there's always a shootout, okay? And so you know how it goes. Whoever, whoever's the fastest draw, right? They're the, they're the ones that, that end up winning at the end if, if they're the fastest draw. It's like, if I can shoot you before you shoot me, then I win. But does that work in life? No, but that's what we do. Right? Oh, there it is. Okay. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's the gun. That was why Wyatt Earp had one of those, by the way. Wyatt Earp had a peacemaker. Okay? And here's, here's what happens. Life can feel like a shootout. Okay? You're the good guy, and you're just trying to keep the peace, and you're just trying to, you know, keep things going and moving and everything happening, you know, like it needs to happen. 
and, and out of nowhere, there's this bad guy shows up and just starts shooting you full of holes, right? And, and honestly, it's hard to know what to do when you're taking fire, okay? So in the Old West, it was, it was kill them before they killed you. But in the kingdom of God, there's a better way, okay? Long before Samuel Colt was armed with a peacemaker, the disciples had one of their own. So let's go ahead and put that up. Here's another kind of peacemaker, okay? See, those slides are important. That's why I was freaking out, okay? Yeah. So, so I guess what I'm saying this morning is this. Choose your weapon. Will you choose a cult peacemaker? Go ahead and put that back up if, if we can. Will you choose a cult peacemaker? Or will you choose a Christ peacemaker? Because you will make the choice. When you are in a war, there is no neutral ground. It's either kill them or be killed. But in the kingdom of God, killing them means something different. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Okay? Will you shoot them down? Or will you surrender yourself and what you want to do to them to God? Okay? That's important. See, because of John 14, 27, the peacemaker comes when, when you're fighting to keep your cool. Because of John 14, 27, the peacemaker comes when someone is on your last nerve and you're about to slap the Jesus into them. Because of John 14, 27, you can be at peace with them instead of drawing on them all the time. Okay? And I'm going to tell you how to do that in a minute. See, because of John 14, 27, the Christ peacemaker will come to your side and calm you before you reach for your sidearm, okay? And some of, sometimes, we're, that's, just, that's just how we get used to doing things. It's like, what'd you say? <laughs> Bet you won't say that again. What'd you do? Ah, well, <laughs> don't make me mad, I'll shoot you. But it never works. It, it never works. I mean, it, it may work for you, but it, it doesn't work for anybody else. And so let's talk about this. Some people show up for life armed and dangerous. And if you could see in the spiritual realm, they would look like I look this morning. Not as good as me, but you know. With more hair. Yes. They, they, they show up armed and dangerous. They sit at work armed. They, they go home armed. They interact with perceived enemies armed. Okay? It's kind of like, like they have this conceal and carry permit for their heart. Okay? And so they just walk through life armed, not, not with a Christ peacemaker, but with a cult peacemaker, just shooting everybody down. And so, and so here's the question. How do you receive the peace that Jesus has left for you? I mean, how do you put down, you know, how do you put down your sidearm and invite Christ to come to your side? 
Because that's really what it's all about, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's like what we need to know. And so let's talk about that this morning. And I'm going to take this gun off because it's tight. <laughs> no, I had a donut this morning. Maybe I shouldn't have, right? That maybe it may be my problem. I'm not going to point that at the crowd either. <laughs> we'll turn that back around over there. Okay, so how do you do this? Well, if you want to, turn to Philipp- the book of Philippians. I'm going to give you just a few points here, and, and then we're going to be done. But we're talking about, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, okay? He didn't say, I'm going to make your life peaceful. That means it's not going to be peaceful. I'm sorry to disappoint you. And so instead of, you know, having the peacemaker to blow them up, Jesus says, I'm going to put my peace in you. I'm going to be a different kind of peacemaker. And so how do you, how do, you do this, okay? Well, first, let's read the result of having the kind of peace that I'm talking about this morning. And that's found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. So we're going to do this backwards, and we're going to start with the result, and then we're going to talk about how to get there. It says, in Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, it's one thing to have peace of heart, but it's another thing to have peace of mind. Okay? And so he says, I'm going to give you peace in your heart, and I'm going to give you peace in your mind, okay? Now, in this verse, peace means the opposite of anxiety, okay? And the word guard is the same word used to describe a military officer standing guard over a restricted area. So when you have a peacemaker like Jesus at your side, it's like having an armed guard whose job is to protect you from anxiety, Doesn't that sound good? It's like you have this secret service person that's there to protect you from anxiety. And and because he's armed, you don't have to be. Okay? Now, how do you get that kind of peace? What's the path? Well, we have to start with the verses leading up to the promise of peace. That's the path, okay? And and here's what what was leading up to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Um, if you start in the very first part of the chapter, there are two women in this story. And, and believe it or not, they're not getting along. I know women always get along with other women. <laughs> Ladies, why are you looking at me like that for? But there's two women in this story, and they're not getting along. And now you're thinking, well, they're not getting along because one of them probably is a really good Christian and she loves God, and the other one is a professional sinner, and she doesn't even know God. And so, yeah, they're fighting because they, they don't have anything in common. That's not, that's not what happened in this story. In this story, both these women loved God. Both these women worked side by side with the Apostle Paul. And it was clearly stated in the first part of Philippians chapter 4, that both their names were written in the book of life. Did you know that there's a book of life? And that your name is either in it or it's not? So it's clearly stated that both these women, their names are in the book of life. Read it when you get home. So, so here's what was happening. They loved God. They worked in their church. They were going to heaven, but they weren't getting along. Sounds like your marriage. No. Well, maybe sometimes, all right? 
And so look what happens. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. Paul is speaking here, and this is the path to get to, get to peace. I'm just taking you the long route. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul says, I plead with you. Okay, he, and he gives their names. The first name of the lady was Euodia. Okay, Mike, that might be a better name than Everland for your daughter, right? Euodia, that's a strong Bible name. Uh, Dorcas would be another one, strong Bible name. <laughs> Gaius, even better, strong Bible name. Okay, move on, Larry. Um, so, so, so he says, I plead with you, Euodia, and with you, Syntyche, to agree with each other in the Lord. So here we go. First way to peace. Number one, agree in the Lord. Okay? Agree in the Lord. You may never agree in life, but you can agree to handle it in a Christ-like way. Right? That's what he, that's what he was saying. And, and you can even keep going to the same church, okay? And so when, when I say agree in the Lord, I mean, what I'm saying is this. You agree with them that you disagree, okay? You say to them, I don't agree with you, but I'm not going to throw rocks at you, and I'm not going to talk about you, and I'm not going to insult you, and I'm not going to make your life miserable just because we don't get along. I, I disagree with you, but I agree with you in the Lord, you see the difference? See, the Lord handled his enemies differently. He said, pray for them. He's, you know, he, he said, do good to them. Um, he said, if they're thirsty, give them water. He said, if they're hungry, give them food. Um, he, he, you know, he, he handled them differently. And so, and so if you want peace that transcends understanding in your life, you may not agree with them, but you better learn to agree with them in the Lord or you're never going to have peace. It's like, I don't agree with you, but I'm going to treat you in a Christ-like way. Is anybody getting this? Okay. Number, the next, number next, okay? Philippians 4 and verse 4. So number one, agree with them in the Lord. Philippians 4 verse 4 goes on and says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. So sex, so number one, agree in the Lord. Number two, rejoice in the Lord. Now stay with me on this. Rejoice means happiness, gladness, and delight, not rejoice in the problem, but rejoice in the Lord, the solver of the problem. And here's what that means to me, okay? How do you rejoice in the Lord when you don't have peace? Well, worship is the way to peace that surpasses understanding. I know that's the last thing that you want to do when you don't have peace. You don't want to always come to church. You don't always want to engage God. You don't always want to actively participate in, in, in worship. But those are all forms of rejoicing. And guess what? You can do that. Okay? So if you don't have peace in your life, not only do you need to agree with that other person that's not making it peaceful in the Lord, but that, that has to do with them. But now he shifts the focus back to you, and he says, you need to rejoice in the Lord. You need to add, add God into just every day. And you can do that, okay? Now, let's move on to the next one. Philippians 4 and verse 5. So he says, agree in the Lord. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And then in Philippians 4 verse 5, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So third, be gentle. The word gentle means Christ-like consideration for others. It means a mild, kind, and tender temperament. Okay, now here's, 
you're about to find out how messed up I am. You already knew, but you're about to find out even more. When I was putting this teaching together, and I, and I went to, to the third one, be gentle, and the word gentle means Christ-like consideration for others. It means a mild, kind, and tender temperament. Here's what I started thinking about. I started thinking about, you know, when we're having conflict with other people or, or, or a situation that we don't like or something that's going wrong in our lives, we, we really have an opportunity to act like one of the four different Taco Bell sauces. That's what I thought. I was sitting at my desk, and I, started, I wrote that down, and then I thought about, I started thinking about Taco Bell sauce. And, and, and so then I went to Taco Bell, and, and I, saw, I saw Kayla and Lily and Jax there, and I sat down and had some stuff there with them, so that was good. And, and I, I actually just went for the sauce, because this is, this is where God took my mind. Like, when you're in conflict, there are four different ways that you can handle it, okay? You can, you can, be, you can be gentle. The word gentle means mild, okay? So you can be mild sauce. And when you go to Taco Bell, they leave this blank so you can write your name in there. <laughs> so maybe you should go to Taco Bell and get one of these and write your name in there. So you can be mild when you, when you're, when you don't have peace. Or, my hands need to get longer. I can read it. I'm trying to read the caption under it. You can, you can be mild, or the next one is, you can be hot. When you don't have peace with someone, when something's not going your way, when life doesn't feel very peaceful, you can, you can, you can go up the chain, and you can be hot, Okay? But then it even gets worse. Because then you can move up to the third level, which is fire. Right? All right, don't lift your hand if you're fire. But that doesn't, that's not where it stops. Because there's another level. There's mild, there's hot, there's fire. And then there's a fourth one called Diablo. <laughs> and the little box says, I'm at an 11. Anybody go Diablo? What, what, did, what sauce did Jesus tell us to be? Mild. Mild. He told us to be gentle, okay? You don't, you don't get to be, you don't get to be hot. You don't get to be fire. You don't get to be Diablo. Well, you can be, but your life's not going to be very peaceful. <laughs> Some of you are like, I should have stayed home today. <laughs> he's got guns. He's got Taco Bell sauce. He's a lunatic. Listen, this is the way God talks to me, okay? I don't know. Yeah, me too. Let's go after, right? So, so which, yeah, so which... Which one are you? Mild, fire, hot, Diablo. I'm at an 11. Well, Jesus, Jesus said we're to be mild. Okay? We're to be mild. So, so when you don't have peace, number one, agree in the Lord. Number two, rejoice in the Lord. Number three, be the right Taco Bell sauce. 
mild sauce. And then in conclusion, this is the last one. It's found in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Okay, so you see where he's taking them? He, he, he says, agree in the Lord. He says, rejoice in the Lord. He says, be, be gentle in the situation. And then he says, everything by prayer. So the fourth one is talk it through with God. Okay, talk it through with God. So when you agree in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, be gentle, and talk it through with God, then you can put down your peacemaker and you can walk with the peacemaker. Right? You getting that? I hope, I hope you are. Because Jesus left you his peace. Okay? He, just like he left you his Holy Spirit. He left you his peace. But you, you have to receive his peace. Just like you have to receive his Holy Spirit, you have to receive his peace. Okay? All right, we're going to stop. Musicians can come back. And you can stand. And I realize I, I may have went a little bit longer than I normally do, but um, you, you, you probably needed this. <laughs> I know I did. Yeah. So I'll put my uh, Taco Bell sauce over here with my guns. And... All right, let's, let's have a prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful this morning that even though life isn't always peaceful, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding has been left here for us. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, okay? My peace I leave with you. And that's awesome. That, that means that I don't have to strap on a peacemaker and make it like a Wild West shootout whenever my life isn't very peaceful, I don't have to do that. I, I don't have to live armed and dangerous. I don't have to go get a conceal and carry for my heart. I can, I, can, I can agree in the Lord. I can rejoice in the Lord. I can be gentle. I can talk it through with God. Those are all things I can do. And, and those are all things that will make my life better. And so, Lord, I'm guessing that there are people here today that are just like me that they need help in this area. Because I know that I certainly do. And it, it's like I'm a work in progress every day. And sometimes, I, and some days I get it right, and I get it really right. And some days I get it wrong, and I get it really wrong. And, and so, God, we need you this morning to bring peace into our hearts right now in Jesus' name. I just want to ask a quick question this morning. And, and first of all, you know, I, I, I talked about Philippians chapter 4 where, where Paul, you know, he's, he's talking about these women, but... He says, he says their names are written in the book of life. And so my question to you this morning would be, you know, is your name written in the book of life? Like there's a book, there's a literal, physical copy of a book, okay, in heaven. And, and either your name is written in the book of life or it's not, okay? And the way that your name is written in the book of life is when you come before Jesus and you, number one, confess that he is Lord, you believe that he's Lord, he's the Son of God, that he uh, came to this earth, lived as a man for 33 and a half years, died on a cross for your sins, you believe that he is Lord, he is the Son of God, he is Lord, and then you, in, you, you invite him to come into your life by asking him to forgive you of your sins. 
And, and, and it's that, I mean, you're like, really? It's that easy? Yep. I mean, it's not that easy once you leave here because then you've got to, you know, live up to the, the commitment that you made. But God will help you with that too. But if your name is not written in the book of life, then we need to fix that this morning before you leave here. And so at any time, if you, you know, if you feel like you need to come and pray, you can just come and pray right now. We're going to pray for you and with you. And we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to make sure that your name is written in the book of life before you leave out of here, okay? And number two, I just want to ask real quick, maybe, maybe you have something going on in your life right now that doesn't feel very peaceful. There's just some turbulence in your life. And you don't want to reach for a peacemaker. You want to reach for the peacemaker, Jesus Christ. If that's you, could I see your hand this morning? Just some turbulence. Awesome. Guys, thank you. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Lord, I pray. God, these weren't just hands that went up. These are people that you love and that you died for who are, who are experiencing turbulence right now. And, and Lord, when we're, when we're put in a situation that's not very peaceful, you know what? We're, if, if we're not careful, we, we tend to, to point the gun at everything else and everybody else and whatever else instead of just saying, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for this. And I may not be able to do anything about what's going on around me, but I can do something about what's going on inside of me. And so, Lord, arm us today, not with, not with, a, not with a gun that we're going to use to blast our way through, but with the peacemaker Christ that comes alongside of us and puts his peace in us as we face those turbulent times. And so, Lord, I, I pray right now this morning, for every situation that has maybe gotten a little bit out of control, those situations that feel like uh, like a shootout at the OK Corral, you know, bullets are flying and they're shooting at you and you're shooting back at them and, and people are choosing sides. And Lord, those are difficult situations. There are other situations that really don't have anything to do with anyone else. It's just maybe we're having trouble inside of ourselves. We're, we, our lives don't feel very peaceful. Lord, even then, we can, we can handle it your way, and we can see miracles happen in this place, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this last song this morning, and you know what? If you need prayer for anything at all, I'd love to pray for you. If you feel like maybe your name's not written in the book of life, but you'd like for it to be, I'd love to pray for you. Um, Maybe you're just struggling, going through some stuff. I'd love to pray for you. If not, then, you know, just worship and spend some time with God before we, uh, before we head out of here today.